As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, everybody. Welcome to Laz and Powers. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I am Mark Lazarus. I am rejoined by Scott Powers, fresh from Florida. How was vacation, Scott? It was good, yeah. It was uh, a lot warmer than here. I, you know, it's a good vacation when when you're like, ah, it's too hot, and I'm ready to come home. You know, like yeah. plus plus it's my fair skin, so it's like the fifth or sixth day. It's like, yeah, this is. I need to get back in the uh, get back inside and put on some layers. And um, but it was good. No, it was uh, it, it was fun to hear some different voices on the podcast last week. And um, yeah, thanks to Phil Thompson and John Greenberg, uh, Johnny Pucks for filling in. And in the meantime, there was obviously plenty to talk about last week, and there's plenty to talk about this week. Uh, we're still five or six away, six weeks away from the trade deadline, but it's all anybody wants to talk about because the Blackhawks aren't very good. Um, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we hosted our first ever live room on the Athletic app. It was a lot of fun. A lot of people asked a lot of questions, and uh, we did our best to think on our feet and answer them. We had, uh, you know, couldn't uh, pre, we didn't pre-screen the questions like at the town hall, so we had a uh, we had to think on our feet a little bit. Well, I'm not sure all the questions were pre-screened at the town hall. If, if you recall, you you asked the question that was not <laughs> pre-screened. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny if it were pre-screened and I still got that answer, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll go right to the live room because uh, it was it was a good time, a good talk, and we'll do it again sometime soon. Uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Should we try to open this up, figure this out? Yeah, from what I understand, you guys can request to speak and then we will unmute you one at a time. You could ask your question or provide your comment or yell at us for whatever you want to yell at us for. Someone in the comments of Scott's story called me a bespectacled baby today, which was pretty funny, I thought. And then a couple of days ago, someone called me four eyes, but misspelled four. 
Are we really still making fun of people for their eyesight? Like we have control over that? I mean, really, people? And then there's also a uh, chat function in the if you're in the app, um, and you can uh, yeah converse, and we'll we'll look through there too. The, again, this is our it's our first time uh, with we're, we're sort of learning the system too. And um, Joseph Skoog has requested to comment, so let's uh, let's activate him. Let's see how this goes. Joseph, you there? So I was just wondering, there's a, a Hegel trade package I saw floated out or or that there's been sort of rumors about it. Uh, I was just wondering what uh, the front office thinks about the value of Hegel uh, and if it's changed at all uh, because of how good of a year he's been having. Thanks. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Frank Saravalli at the Daily Faceoff reported that, that uh, the Blackhawks have gotten some first round, uh, got at least a one first round pick offer for Brandon Hegel, which is Interesting, because obviously they're desperate for a first-round pick, right? We've been harping on that since the Seth Jones trade. Um, I don't think they really have any interest in moving Hagel. We'll see what whoever the new GM is comes in and thinks. But, you know, Hagel's only 23 years old, and this is his first real, you know, normal full season. He's playing very well. He's getting top-line minutes pretty frequently. Um, I'm not sure that getting, like, a, a, a first-round pick in the 20s, it, it, you know, you need some young guys to build around. Brandon Hagel certainly seems like a really useful piece that you can build around. I'm not sure he's the one you move to get that first round pick. Yeah. Not, not every first round pick is, is valued the same. You know, I, I think with Hagel, like you, 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 he's potential first round late first round type of talent that you, you have it. It's such a, a low price for a few years too. You know, like it just, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just talking to sources, it sounds like the Blackhawks are willing to have conversations with any, about anyone, but Hagel would just add his price and the fact that, uh, he is so young, and and you feel like he's just kind of coming into his own a little bit too. You know, second year in the league and showing a little bit more scoring promise. And you know, I wrote a story early in the year, but analytically, just uh, among the best in the league, just because he does so many little things. So, um, yeah, I I, I see the other thing is too that I, you know I've heard that the Blackhawks, as much as they'd love to have a first round pick this year, that it's not like a priority. They don't see um, this draft being super deep. Like yeah, you know, like any draft, if you get a top ten pick, you're certainly happy, but just to get a pick to have a pick, I, I don't think that's their their priority going into uh, this trade deadline too, where they're, um, you know, if they can move some pieces and grab some assets, but it's, it's not necessarily trying to uh, recoup that first round pick that they're going to likely lose to Columbus. So I don't think they're going to do everything they they, you know, everything possible to get that first round pick. So, um, you know, to say yeah, again, I, again, all those different factors, I, I'd be surprised unless it was, you know, unless it was a top fifteen, top ten pick, and. Right. Uh, you know, you, you had something in mind, but Hegel, yeah, I, I guess as we're writing over these next coming months, like it's kind of like who's going to stick around and who's worthy of building around. And Hegel certainly seems like a piece. Yeah, two big things about Hegel is one, his effort never waned. He's not one of the Blackhawks have so many inconsistent guys over the years, whether you're talking about an Alex Nylander or even a Dylan Strom, about guys that run hot and cold. Hegel's always going at 100 miles an hour. And I think you value guys like that because you know what you're going to get from him every night. And the fact that he signed for two more years at 1.5 million, this is a, you know, working at a 20, 25 goal scorer at the rate he's going. That's an incredible value. He's basically on an entry level deal almost. Uh, that was a great contract, you know, give Stan Bowman credit. He signed him ahead of time and uh, that's a good deal that's going to pay dividends. So yeah, it, it would have to be a ridiculous offer, I think, to, to pry Hagel away at this point. Uh, should we, uh, should we try Nicholas here? Sure. Nicholas Rogers, you are up. Awesome. Uh, two, two things. One, uh, I just wanted to say, I was super like proud of how you guys handled the whole town hall thing. I hate to dredge up bad memories, but <laughs> I appreciate um, that. Uh, and the other thing is, I was watching the Olympics the other night. 
Uh, I was watching Germany play the U.S., and I got a thought. I know everything's kind of up in the air as far as coaching searches go with the general manager search not having concluded yet, but what would you think of Marco Sturm as the uh, Blackhawks' next head coach after leading Germany to silver in 2018? Well, it's an interesting idea. Uh, I think the Blackhawks are going to be a little more wary of getting a first-timer or a European import you know, after the Jeremy Colleton, you know, attempt, I think you, you kind of see these things accordion back and forth where it's like you go for young and new and then you go for established and then you go for young and new and then you go for established. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. These, the Blackhawks like to think that they're, you know, thinking outside the box here and, and, and open to anything. And there are, you know, what's his name? Uh, Cronberg, Richard Cronberg, I think is, is, is one of the hot names every year. But uh, we saw what happened with Ralph Kruger. We saw what happened with Colleton, who only had one year in North America as a coach. And I think the Blackhawks would be wise to maybe get someone who's a little more, uh, you know, steeped in the North American coaching uh, style before they try something like that again. Yeah, I guess, I guess it depends on who they bring in as GM too, right? Like I, um, with Kyle, if Kyle Davidson's the guy, I almost think that you have so much. I don't know. I mean, you're you're probably. You know, I, I see Brian Campbell getting promoted, and maybe Megan Hunter, and you have a lot of people who are kind of in new roles that. Um, maybe getting an experienced coach, you know, just like it, it, it puts some stability there. And, um, you know, like if you go from Colleton, you know, having no NHL experience with Derek King. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels like the Blackhawks have been down that road a little bit where they having someone established and someone that's known. And, and it's too bad because there, there are probably some brilliant minds out there, you know, whether it's Germany or Gronberg with, 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 with Sweden and, um, you know what he's done with, uh, you know, out in Switzerland now too. And, you know, th- there's some really brilliant coaches out there that probably don't get opportunity because of, um, you know, other people's track records or something like that. But I, I just feel like where the Blackhawks have gone as of late, having established, having an established coach, I feel like makes a difference sometimes. And you, you don't want to have recycled coaches, but they kind of say who's, who's available this off season. And, um, you know, I guess that's been the challenge um, the last few times they've done the coaches where, where Quinville's fired early in the season and you promote Colleton and, you know, this time around with King. Um, and even with the GM to do this during during midseason, it, it's, you know, like it, it limits to who you can who you can probably choose from. So I, I think, you know, the, the fact that they're going to wait and, and hire the coach, like you, you can probably have a larger pool this summer and, and maybe have some more deeper interviews and do some more um, the research. And maybe one of those guys does pop and, and, and you know, um, you know, even going to the world championships and, you know, for someone like that, you know, it certainly allows you to do more research and to kind of look into it. But um, yeah, my, my gut kind of tells me that they'll probably go with an established coach and try to find, um, just kind of create a little bit more stability, at least at the NHL level of coaching. Yeah. I think I'm a little surprised that when, when they first fired Colleton, like Bruce Boudreau was out there. What is Bruce, Bruce Boudreau good at? He's good at making teams monster possession teams. He's good at getting the most out of his stars. And he's good at regular season, you know, point totals, right? Which is everything the Blackhawks needed at that time. But now that we're a few months out from it, we all see the reality of the situation. And you're looking for more of a developmental coach, right? So bringing in a Boudreaux or, uh, you know, a Gerard Gallant type isn't necessarily the, the, the right thing to do. So I think they're trying to weigh all their options. They want the new GM to make his choice um, and, and go in the direction that that, that that GM wants to go in. So really, I mean, everything is wide open from a coach standpoint, GM standpoint. A lot of possibilities. We might wind up with just the same retreads as always. It might be Peter Chiarelli hiring some coach, Mike Yo or something. It might be the same guys we always hear. Or it might be something really interesting and exciting. I don't know. Um, but I'll be curious to find out and see how that plays out. It, it, going back to when they hired, you know, I guess when they fired Colleton, like it, it is somewhat surprising that 
like I guess going to King, like it didn't feel like you're trying to salvage the season, right? Like, right. I, I, th- I think of like the Premier League or you know like that where they usually bring in a manager who's known as you know like someone who can keep them you know out of relegation or something or someone to keep you aboard or get you some points. Maybe they're not the long term solution, but it felt like with King that you know they wanted to to right the ship and get people you know feeling good about themselves, but it wasn't necessary about winning and getting the playoffs again, like the. Um, yeah, I don't know. They just it felt like the mindset was that they already knew that they were so far behind the eight ball that um, it was, yeah, I don't know, it felt like a lost season already. Because I think if you did want to, you know, like you did want to salvage a season, I don't know if you necessarily go with Derek King and, and certainly just Mark Crawford kind of pulling the strings too, but it didn't feel like it was there, there was a desperation. And maybe, maybe that was the luxury too that the fact that Stan Bowman was gone too, that it wasn't, you know, you had a GM who was going into this or an interim GM, at least going with it and probably a little bit more of a fresh take and an outlook on, on where the organization is and, and what needed to be done going forward. All right, Andrew Nolan, go ahead and talk. All right, uh, first off, love your guys' work. You know, you guys have done a lot this year, so props to you guys. Um, second you. off, my question, pending UFAs like Calvin DeHaan, Eric Gustafson, Ryan Carpenter, what kind of value do you guys think you guys or uh, the Hawks can get back once this new GM does get out? Well, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot for, you know, say Ryan Carpenter or Sam Lafferty. You know, Dahan is interesting because Dahan is like everything you look for in a in a rental, right? He's a experienced veteran guy. He's been in the playoffs before. He's reliable, defensive style defenseman who's going to be able to make a transition relatively easily. Um, but even even someone like that, even if the Blackhawks retain some of his four point five five, I think it is million dollar salary. Um, you're just not going to get a whole lot for Calvin Don. He's not a sexy, exciting addition like a, like a, like a, you know, a scoring winger or anything like that, or a number one center. So I what would temper Blackhawks, my. Uh, what did the Blackhawks yeah. get for give up for Oduya? Do you remember? Uh, I just remember that didn't work out very well. I don't remember exactly what they gave up. Was it? It wasn't a first rounder. Right? It was a second. No, 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 no. When when they acquired him, uh, Oduya. Oh, the first time. Yeah, was that a it was, two, it was two second rounders, if I remember okay. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it also depends on, I guess, with Dehan, you're probably, whoever acquires him probably isn't keeping him beyond this unless it's more probably more of a rental situation, too. I'm sure the Blackhawks probably envision Odia staying uh, longer than that one season, so. Yeah, when the when the Hawks reacquired Odia in 20, I want to say 17, I think it was a fourth-round pick and Mark McNeil. So, yeah. you know, the, 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 the market on these guys, these mid-level guys, are, they're fun to add. They're not so fun to trade. You're not going to get what you're really hoping for. It's really Marc-Andre Fleury and maybe Dominic Kubalik are the only guys that you could get some, you know, some real value for. And I'm not entirely sure that the market's out there for, 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 for either of them really, because, you know, Fleury, he, he controls everything, right? He has all the say in the situation. When he was signed, there was basically a, an understanding that even though he only has a 10 team, no trade clause that they would not trade him against his wishes. Um, and I'm not so sure he wants to go anywhere. I've seen that come up with a uh, talk about a Washington trade. And uh, so he might just be here for the long for the season. That might just be how it is. You might not be getting anything for him, let alone a first or second round pick. So I don't think the Blackhawks, they have lots of pieces that would be useful additions to contenders. But I don't expect the Blackhawks to really clean up this trade deadline. I'd be surprised. Like, I, I you know, like right now, like Flurry might be all right. But come come a month from now and, and you're, you're talking about maybe moving your family for a short term and either writing it out to, a you know, like. Like the Blackhawks are probably going to want to play Lincoln and Soderbloom a little bit down the stretch if they're, you know, once they're eliminated. Well, like uh, for for Fleury, I just the idea of probably writing this out just seems, you know, I, maybe his mind changes coming come closer to the trade deadline and you know having a chance to play for another cup or 
Um, also, I guess we'll see with injuries too. I mean, there might be other teams that, you know, if they get desperate for goalies, then, you know, having, you know, being able to acquire someone like Flurry um, certainly is a little bit more enticing. Um, I, I also wonder, I, I feel like there's so many guys from Blackhawks that can be traded that, that maybe there's, there's just some package moves, you know, like if you're a contender and you can hand, you know, add a Dahan or even, you know, even a Carpenter on a fourth line role or, or just having a little bit more depth that, and not that these can draw, you know, like bring back a whole lot more, but, um, you know, I, I think the Blackhawks can put together a couple of packages where they, you might, there might be a couple of guys that, um, you know, that maybe those, those finishing pieces, you know, they're not, you know, pieces you want to build around or be your stars in the playoffs, but there's enough guys that can be role players and can help you out. You know, I mean, you look at the impacts of them, you know, obviously, you know, just covering the Blackhawks, you know, Michael Hansus is and those type of players that, um, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe someone like that, you know, finds a spot on the, the team, whether it's, you know, just the PK role or, um, yeah, just the, you know, depth defense from that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious, to, you know, whether it's Kyle Davis or whoever that just, there might there might be some packages, even like you know, like a Henrik. I'm not that Henrik Forge from Charlotte can be desired by anyone, but there are a lot of guys that I don't think the Blackhawks envision being part of their future that that could be, um, yeah, that could be moved at the right price and you know, right package and that type of thing. So yeah, I, I think this trade deadline is going to be really fascinating, and um, yeah, obviously the Blackhawks need to hire a GM here because it, it, it's probably you know, I, I'm sure Davidson probably feels like his hands are tied a little bit right now. Where I'm sure he's having discussions, but you still, you know, like you're unsure, but you know, he's unsure about his future and, you know, what this means. And, and I'm sure he has a larger vision for what he wants to do with the Blackhawks. And, and until they make that, uh, make that move, it, it's, it, it's, it's all kind of, um, yeah, everyone's kind of in this, you know, this, uh, yeah, just kind of waiting to, to see what they do. Well, we made it 15 minutes into this and nobody's asked us if the Blackhawks should have drafted Matthew Boldy over Kirby Doc. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of uh, re- draft revisionism of that 2019 draft, I think. You know, I remember covering it, you know, and it was, well, it was Doc, it was Byram, it was Turcotte, it was Cousins, uh, Broberg, uh, Pod Colson, Zegris, Boldy. All these guys were kind of bunched up from like three to nine. Nobody knew what to expect. And then Detroit went off the board and drafted Moritz Sider, who's turned out to be phenomenal. Yeah. But no, everyone was like, what the hell are you doing in Detroit? So the, all these guys that were kind of bunched up that could have gone in any order. And now we're seeing Doc was the first to really break through. And he looked like he was going to be arguably the best of the bunch. Even Jack Hughes and Capo Caco. Caco is really plateauing. Jack Hughes, like, he's going to be a star. He's great. Bowen Byron looks awesome, but he's dealing with these concussion issues. We don't know what his career is going to look like. It's kind of sad to watch. Turcotte is barely even broken into the NHL. Uh, Cousins has been fine in Buffalo. Zegris is like the most exciting player in the league. And now Boldy. At a hat trick last night, seven goals, seven assists in 13 games so far. Um, it's been really interesting to watch that draft play out. And, you know, nobody wants to wait two years for a guy. But if that ter- guy turns out to be as good as Boldy appears to be, then that's great. And it's going to be really yeah, interesting to keep an eye on these uh, over the, the years. With, with Rossi coming up and Boldy and obviously, uh, yeah, with what they already have. Minnesota should be a fun team here for a while. Um, and, I, I mean, I, and I, I know everyone, I, I docked is such a, uh, yeah, so it's such a, you know, just this lightning rod right now. And- it's not even polarizing. It's just everyone just, they're just all over him. Like, they're just, the expectations of him are so high. He literally just turned 21, and it's trade him now. He's garbage. Send him to Rockford. I, I don't get the, I mean, I say this a lot, but I don't get the vitriol here. It's like, cut the kid a little slack. He basically missed all of last year with a broken wrist, and he's just you know, lost a year of development. You got to give him some time, right? Yeah, it, it's you know like his developments like the the Blackhawks you know they, they definitely messed up their develop his development. He should have gone back to junior for another year. He should have played in the in the first World Junior Championship. Like you weren't playing him a whole lot, and he would have benefited there. And the kid wanted to be there really badly. And um, 
and and just yeah, I don't know. The idea that he could have dominated for another year in Saskatoon, like he he had a really good draft year, but it wasn't like he dominated that league. And I think really dominating would have you know just allowed him to feel that and experience that. And 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 he, it seemed like he was on the cusp of that when he was going in the second World Juniors and he got hurt. And uh, you know his confidence has been shaken. And you know I think the wrist certainly you know like he it's it wasn't right when he came back. And um, yeah, I think it's feeling better. And, you know, like he's he's also young now and he's dealing with social media and, and you know, he deletes that. And, you know, there, there's so much of this mental health stuff. And, you know, something I've talked about with a couple of scouts as of late, and they think, they think his size has been a, a detriment, not a detriment, but it, it takes longer for bigger guys, they feel like, to, uh, to to maybe flourish in this league and kind of figure it out. And um, uh, and I guess the, you know, Derek King kind of harps on a lot, too, is just, you know, how did he put him in such a, a defensive role and they've really focused on him and that. And I know they were asked yesterday about, you know, moving him to the wing and he's, and he's been taking less face offs, but he does a lot of really good things as a centerman. Um, you know, whether he figures it out offensively or not, you know, we'll see, but I, I think he has a long career as an NHL or as at least a pretty good, you know, defensive, um, you know, defensive minded centerman and, and he has some offside upside. So, um, you know, you, you see things, even in glimpses last night where, you know, he, he gets the puck, the, the cane, and, and he just he knows what to do. He, he goes straight to the straight to the net and creates his path, and it's you know it's an easy primary assist. But um, I, I think the kid understands the game in a lot of ways, and there and there's some things you know whether it's working right with the right skills coach or whatever that can maybe um, unlock some things. So yeah, I, I'm I'm quick. I, I'm I'm not as quick to to judge him because I like we've seen glimpses of what he can do. Um, it, it's obviously he has to do it more consistently, but uh, I think there's something still there. No, he's terrible, and they should fire him into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Frank Nacho, you are live. It, the way that goalie for Team USA is playing, the was Camaso, Kamer, I forget how he pronounces it. Is, he's a Hawks prospect. Does he have a chance of being the Hawks' number one goalie next year? I'll defer to Scott on that one. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I, I think uh, one. I don't think he'll be the Hawks' number one goalie. I, I think they probably let him even go back to college. Um, you know. They usually try not to rush the goalies, especially. And he had he had struggled early in the season with uh, with BU, and and he started playing better around the World Juniors, and and certainly getting this experience is great. But um, yeah, everything that I sense that they they, they really like Drew Camaso, and they really like uh, our our Arvid Soderblom too. They they feel like they have a couple of young guys. Um, they they just don't want to. I guess one with goalies and defense would have been a focus of not rushing people. They feel like Stan Bowman. Uh, rushed a lot of players to, too soon, and that you know that really affected people's development, and it also kind of affected how the Blackhawks judge guys. You know, like it, um, you know, giving the, those players a little bit more time 
um, to develop. So I, I'd be surprised if they sign him right now. I think they like to have him another, you know, be the number one at BU for another year. It's a, it's a high level of competition. He gets to start every game and then, and then you sign him and you bring him to, you know, I could see him, you know, finishing out next season in Rockford and then you, you get him, you get a, you know, get a glimpse of him. And then, and then from there, you know, he'll get a chance to compete and stuff. But I, I, I tend to think the fact that black, the Blackhawks are kind of, um, not completely rebuilding, but I, I think they're definitely taking a slower, more patient approach. So I think I think someone like Drew Camaso, especially as a goalie, that they're gonna they're gonna let it play out a little bit and let him play. Um, you know, have those uh, type of competitions and um, you know just allow him playing another. You know, and, and you know, I, yeah, another season at BU, and then you know whatever kind of you know maybe he gets a chance to play in the World Championships and that type of thing too. So um, I, I'd be surprised if they if they didn't wait another year until sign him, and then then we'll see. You know, at that point he's. You know, he's, what, 20 years old, and, um, you know, you can probably take a closer look. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely been impressive at what he's doing, you know, certainly getting a chance to play with the USA and, um, you know, how he's looked. And he, he even had a pretty good freshman year at BU, and it's a little bit more inconsistent, but you kind of expect that with goalies too. So I, I definitely expect them to take a, a more patient approach with, with most of their prospects. And and I, I think you'll even see that, you know, I've heard that they, they'd like to, with their uh, – even guys in junior, you know, they, they may send guys back to junior next year, even if they have to, they're signed just to give them that extra, um, that extra time. They just don't want to, uh, don't want to rush it. And I, and I think that's, you know, um, you want to take it case by case, but I think when you look at it as an overall, the Blackhawks have probably rushed, uh, rushed some guys development and it, um, it certainly hasn't helped them much. Yeah. I think ideally the Blackhawks mind in a few years, you have a, you know, Camesso Soderblom tandem. I mean, Soderblom's only 22 also. And then Lankanen is going to be kind of the bridge to that over the next couple of years. The Lankanen's a UFA this summer. They're going to have to sign him. Uh, but assuming Marc-Andre Fleury is not going to re-sign in Chicago, which seems very far-fetched, I think that's the hope, is that those three guys are kind of your goalies for the next several years, and then Camesso can be your guy going forward. But like you said, it's so hard to predict goalies. Um, it takes so long to develop. Some of them never do. Some of them do way much, you know, years and years later than you expect them to. So it's hard to pin your hopes on goalie prospects. But the Blackhawks, from everyone I've talked to, they really, really like Jukamesso, and they hope that, like like Scott said, in a couple of years, uh, that you know that'll be, he'll be the guy going forward. Uh, thanks, Frank. We'll go to Nick. Uh, oh, I'm gonna blow up this last name. Kadis, Kadise, Kadiche. You're live, Nick. Well, uh, I'm wondering what you guys think the ceiling for uh, Kirby Doc is, and then uh, what do you think we can get for Mark Andre Fleury? uh at the deadline thanks nick um well we just kind of talked a little bit about doc i don't know what the ceiling is he's not going to be an 80 or 90 point scorer in this league i mean i don't see he's never been that kind of player i don't think he's going to be that kind of player um you know ideally he becomes like a a jonathan taves patrice bergeron two-way force um that's probably the highest ceiling you can imagine is like a 70 point guy i think more realistically he's going to be a 50 60 point guy who's very good two-way maybe he's a number two center maybe he's not quite a number one center there's a lot of there are very few real number one centers in this league very few you know austin matthews is connor mcdavid's you know jack eichel's guys like that uh, he could be in that lower tier ideally um you know i i have someone who always tells me he's just nick bukestad i i think the blackhawks hope it's better than that um but i when they drafted him they saw jonathan tate i think that's the the dream scenario is you get a player of his two-way prowess but that's asking a lot right now uh, we, we have some, uh, some questions too in the, uh, in the comments and, uh, uh, Sandra had asked, uh, Sandra Emmett asked, uh, timing where, where the GM search was. Um, 
I'm not, you know, it's, they've been pretty uh, open about who they've interviewed. I, I don't know if there's anyone else they're interviewing. I, I heard the advisory committee so far hasn't had a large part of that. And that's going to, uh, uh, th- their role is going to increase here in the coming weeks where they're supposed to sit down with Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner and, and, and discuss more. And so I, I imagine, um, you know, those, you know, Sharp, Olchek and the host are probably get a chance to kind of get a crack at those. Uh, maybe they cut the list and have them talk or, you know, I, I guess I'm also surprised. I thought the list might be a little bit longer and, and maybe that's still the case. But the other problem is that they're they're sort of running it up. I think it's with six weeks to the deadline. If you're looking to hire someone um, and get them, you know, if it's not Kyle Davidson, they get them up to speed. Like you're, you're definitely running out of time, too. So um, but I, but I heard, you know, at least the advisory committee is supposed to get more involved. So um, maybe that's, uh, you know, they get a crack at Davidson and, and, and everyone else is, you know, Tulsky and everyone else is interviewed and, and get more of their their input. And uh, you, you would think, um, you know, I don't think the advisory committee is just for show. I think they're, you know, um, you know they, they like to get some of their hockey input, you know, based on, um, you know, so far Wirtz and, and Jamie Faulkner's have sound like they've only been people that have been involved in the interview process uh, up to now. Yeah, generally speaking, in other sports, you always see there's a second round of interviews with the finalists, right? Maybe that's when they sit down and see what happens there. Um, I think I think we're you know from what I've heard like they want to you know March twenty first is what they were originally saying they want it by the trade deadline they want it way ahead of that because we're going to start seeing some movement now very very few trades seem to actually go down on March twenty first not the big ones at least they go out in the days ahead of it so they want to have someone in place so they can know the team by the time things really heat up so I think we're going to get an answer sooner than later in this uh, in this situation. Uh, we got more questions in the chat. Lazarus inspired hot take by Jason T. Oh God. Let Patrick maybe get a feel for what kind of general manager he might make. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I think people, you know, I wrote that story about Patrick Kane. And I think some people misinterpreted his comments. He's not saying he wants to be deciding the fate of the team. He wants whoever is the GM to hear him out. And I don't see what the harm is in that. This is a guy who's been on the team for 15 years. He knows the league better than just about anybody. Why wouldn't you at least want to take his input into consideration, even if you don't heed his advice? Don't you think that it would be wise for a new GM to come in and say, hey, Taze, Kane, what do you think you need around here? You've done this before. And just talk to people. Like, I don't see why that's so hard. Stan Bowman shot that down real hard when Kane recommended it after the Robin Leonard trade a couple of years ago. And I never understood that. Like, why would you not at least solicit advice from these guys that are on the ice and in the locker room and know you know what we're missing? We're missing this right now. If we had this, it would really change the way that we do things around here. I don't see the harm in that. It's not handing the reins to a player. It's not the inmates running the asylum. It's just, you know, take all the advice you can get, especially if you're the new guy, right? Yeah, I, I think part of it was Stan Bowman's personality and just, you know, like his interacting with people and um, and, and something that, you know, even I guess when we've done some of these GM stories that, you know, something I've heard from, you know, hockey people is, that some of these GM candidates aren't hockey guys, you know, guys who haven't been in, in locker rooms. And um, and sometimes maybe they're intimidated, you know, by going into them. And I, I don't know how much that is the case. I guess it depends on the person. But I, I think for, you know, I, I mean, you know, Kyle Davidson, you know, I fully expect to be the GM. And, and, and if that's the case, you have someone like Brian Campbell, who um, I, I think can be that, you know, go between two, like where he can go to the room and, and have those discussions and get a better idea um, you know, uh, about what players are saying and, and maybe have those sit down discussions too, where just uh, the feel guys out and, and have it too. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why you wouldn't at least, you know, I, I guess you know, Kane and Taze have been such a large part of the organization. And and, and, and like you said, you had not necessarily you have to follow what they say, but they get their input and 
Um, you know, it always felt like, you know, Kane certainly had ideas who he'd like to play with as his center and, and Stan Bowman, you know, was just like, Oh, we'll just get you whomever, you know, like it was always kind of an afterthought for that second line center. And, um, you know, like Richards, you know, Richards worked out and, and hands use, but, um, I'm sure Kane had some ideas too. He'd like, who'd he'd like to play with too. So, um, yeah, I don't know what, what, what the harm is, at least, uh, in voice in that. I know you don't want to give those guys too much power and, um, but, uh, yeah, they kind of throw them a bone a little bit and, you know, and, and especially as, as, you know, if you have any sort of vision for Kane and Taves coming back and, or, or who you have as part of your future core that, um, I think that having, you know, having that relationship, it, it matters too at some level. You mentioned Brian Campbell. He's probably going to have a major role, especially if it's Kyle Davidson administration, um, Patrick Sharp, Marion Hoster on this advisory committee, Kane and Taves obviously still around. Nicholas Jalmerson's getting his legacy night in a few weeks. I think it's March 3rd. Um, are we starting to see, like, you know, at the risk of wading into dicey waters here, um, it feels like we're starting to see the Hawks, you know, testing the water on, on, on how much they can do with that 2010 team again, that they're trying to put their arms back around them and bring it back into the fold and make it a celebratory thing again. Now that the, the Kyle Beach case has been, you know, settled, does it, does it feel like that to you? Cause it feels like that to me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we've seen Sharp do some broadcasts, I, you know, and, um, yeah, there, there's certainly been more. I mean, in fact, the host is on the advisory committee, and yeah, there's, it feels like there's more of that too. That um, you know, certainly there were more questions we would have loved to ask at the uh, uh, at, at the town hall, and I'm not sure we'll have a good chance to talk to Rocky uh, ever again. But yeah, I, think, I think I think Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner, I you know, especially Danny with some of these questions, I'm not sure how much it's it's fair to ask Jamie Faulkner about it, but I, I think Danny, you know, Wirtz still has some questions to ask and. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, where, where's his, where's his head at with, um, you know, there are players who on that team who say that everyone knew. And then there's, there's obviously a lot of players who say they weren't aware of it. So what's, what's his thought and what's the organization's thoughts? I, I think those are still important questions, you know, is, um, it's always going to be a little bit of challenging celebrating that 2010 team because of this, you know? Um, and, and so what's, what's the mindset? What, what are the conversations he's had with Sharp or Campbell or, 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 or people that, you know, that they've, they've hired and are keeping with an organization that there obviously must be some trust there that, um, that they didn't know. And there, you know, that, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think there's still some questions to be had, but, um, you know, all the evidence and, you know, it doesn't sound like Seabrook's, uh, you know, legacy night was delayed because of that and that they were planning to go ahead and that, it, you know, there were other factors that played into it so that, you know, they definitely seem like they're going ahead with, um, you know, some of those previous plans and where, where hosts have been delayed because uh, the, the timing wasn't right. And, and, and now, you know, they've moved on. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think some questions can still be had, but it does look like the Blackhawks are, um, yeah, moving on from that. All right. Kelly V asks, uh, overall, how would you grade the acquisitions from the offseason at the midpoint? Oh, my God, we're barely past the midpoint, aren't we? This season is going to go forever. Uh, anyway, I feel like we felt we could contend for the playoffs. And even post Colleton, there are questions on the return of investment for the new signings, excluding Flurry. Thinking of McCabe, Kara, Caleb Jones, in addition to Seth Jones and Flurry. I mean, uh, Seth Jones has been very good. Was, you know, we could debate forever and we will be debating for the next eight years, probably the price you paid to get Seth Jones, but Seth Jones has been very good. He hasn't been a problem. Flurry has obviously been very good. Imagine where this team would be without him. The other signings, I mean, Scott, you had a big piece on Jake McCabe today. He's been, you know, frankly disappointing. He had a really nice night last night, but he has not been the shutdown defenseman we saw in Buffalo or that we uh, expected him to be in Chicago. Kara was, uh, you know, Derek King liked him a lot. He was starting to play a, a bigger role until the, uh, the concussion uh, after that big hit he took. He has been in and out of the lineup since. 
Caleb Jones is what we thought he would be, which is a fringe number six, seven defenseman who's got some offense to him. I, I like his aggressive game. I'm not sure if he's a piece going forward or not. Uh, he's a young guy, but there's so many defensemen in the system that need to get longer looks, uh, depending on who's in the way, that I'm not sure he's going to be a big part of the future. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, when we put all these signings together in the summer, I think we all thought, all right, well, this could be a fringe playoff team. This could be a decent team. And then you start one, nine and two or whatever it was. And it, it doesn't matter, but, you know, it doesn't matter that they've been a fringe playoff team since you start like that. And, and it's all, it's all pointless. Well, it's interesting because Flurry, Flurry was bad early on. Like it, yeah. it, 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 so there were some like definitely defensive breakdowns and more that we've kind of understood the changes that King Derek King implemented with, with Colleton left and they've worked on the intra zone and, and defensive zone. And, and some of those things have improved, but Flurry, Flurry wasn't making the type of saves that he's been making now. Like he, he let off some soft goals and, um, you know, he was seeing more shots than he was probably used to, but he, uh, you know, Flurry, uh, for their slow start, he takes some of the blame. Certainly McCabe's been underwhelming. Um, but it's also been established players too, right? Like Taves, uh, no one thought, you know, probably, you know, everyone thought Taves would take some time, but for him not to score a goal for as long as he did and, and Kubalik to have the down season and, and Kane's still producing, but for him to have only 12 goals at this point too, like it, it's felt like on a lot of nights, so the offense has really let them down and, um, you know, you know, Strom's certainly produced more and it, it's helped a bit, but they just haven't gotten that production. And, um, you know, there were so many ifs that came in the season it was if Taves and, you know, if Doc took that step and, and Doc hasn't taken that step and, um, you know, they, they, they traded a lot to basically get Henrik Borgström and, and, and he's playing a fourth line role now. He, like he, he hasn't produced. So, um, yeah, some of the trades haven't worked out and, and some of the guys have kind of been hit or miss. Um, but it, yeah, it felt like, yeah, just, it, it, there's there's so many different factors that played into um, why they weren't successful, successful and why they haven't been a playoff team. Um, and it, it was taking some risks, you know, like it, it just did like the Borgstrom thing. Like it's, um, you know, I think Riley Stillman might be the end up being the best piece out of that. You know, like he's someone yeah. that he's, you know, he's shown a little bit more offensive promise and he's been pretty good defensively. And uh, again, like it's it's weird to say, but it, from you know at least from where you a few years ago, but the Blackhawks are in a really good position and and almost have too many defensemen in the system now. And you know you have more guys coming on with Elastic and uh you know um White Kaiser and you know they for next season they have signed uh, uh Nolan Allen and and um yeah I'm blanking on the uh, the really tall defenseman who um Blastic, Alex Blastic. No, no, the uh the, the guy playing in juniors. Um, why am I? Don't Is he tall? I don't even know. How tall. You no, uh, <laughs> that guy. Um, oh, it'll come to me in a second. But yeah, they have a they have a large amount of talent. Um, uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, Louis Crevier from uh, oh, right. Quebec, and he who looked really good in camp too. And they have signed next year. And um, you know, I've heard really good things about Tage Harding, who's a freshman at Providence. So, um. You, you add in, yeah, add in all that with the players they have. It's it, it feels like the forward position is such a position they need to build around. But yeah, I don't know. I, I guess yeah, going back to the question, not to move away from it too much, but it, it feels like it's been hit or miss. And 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 even you know, if, if Flurry was good early on, maybe maybe they they get through that hump because they you know like they've been I guess a borderline playoff team since Derek King's taken over. Uh, Luke S asks, after the town hall, do you foresee any changes to Rocky's role with the team? Um, it's important to note for us that Rocky really doesn't have a major role with the team. He signs the checks. He does not run the day-to-day operations of the Blackhawks. That is Danny Wirtz, and that is Jamie Faulkner. They run the day-to-day, and they have been for quite some time now. 
Um, just like John McDonough did before that. I mean, Rocky Wirtz is not, you know, in the office, on the phone, putting out fires in the office and things like that. That's not, that's never really been his role. He is the chairman. He is the money. Uh, and he is the face and voice of the franchise. And I think your average hockey fan knows who Rocky Wirtz is. Your average hockey fan does not know who Danny Wirtz or Jamie Faulkner are. So what he says matters a lot. He sets the tone for the whole company. I mean, he's yelling at me about, you know, you know, are, do you work for the Black? He's yelling at or Phil. I can't remember who he was yelling at at the time. Do you work <laughs> for the Blackhawks? Or uh, if you work for the Blackhawks, then you could ask me that question. Like, yeah, like anyone in the company is going to ask him that question after seeing the way he handled that question. Um, so his voice certainly matters. What he says definitely matters. And they should reconsider. I write a whole column saying, you know, this brings into question whether he's fit to, you know, be running this team. Uh, Gary Bettman basically shrugged it off as an emotional outburst. There's no discipline. Rocky or Danny and Jamie are running the team as always. So it doesn't look like anything's going to change. Um, I, I, I think what we'll do is maybe we hear less from Rocky, but honestly, the last several years, we haven't heard from Rocky anyway. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, this question was from Mike F. What, what are the odds the Hawks try to take on more reclamation projects, a la the Bowman special at the deadline to help the rebuild, Kubalik, MF, MAF, etc.? I, I think you'll see move, more moves like the Slam, Sam Lafferty trade, you know, like it, there was they didn't foresee Alex Nylander seeing, uh, you know, having a future with the organization. They weren't going to resign him. Um, so they traded for someone they think that maybe, you know, maybe has a chance to be an NHL and shown a little bit more promise. Uh, and maybe maybe it's a change of scenery type of place. And I think Sam Lafferty's actually been pretty good. I thought he played pretty well last night. He's he's probably a third, fourth line guy. You're not expecting a whole lot of offense. But I, I think those are the type of moves that I don't see them taking large gambles on. Um, you know, even like Dylan Strom was it was a was a massive gamble at the time. And yeah. uh, you know, certainly Nylander and and in some of those cases, I, I don't you know. And again, I guess it depends on who the next GM is. And but you know, just from everything I've heard about Kyle Davidson, it's um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he that he's witnessed what's where Stan Bowman's uh, strengths and weaknesses were. I, I think one of the strengths was was their ability to sign players from Europe and sell that. Um, and, and if if you can continue to do that, I mean, the Blackhawks have found some players. Not necessarily they've stayed with the organization, but the Cahoons and Cahoons and the Cuba Leaks and um, obviously Panarin type. I mean, those guys don't come around that often. But it, it, I, I think the Blackhawks have something to sell now too. Um, you know, there, there's a couple of guys coming out of Europe this year, and usually Corey Promen around this time of year will put out a story about the top European or college players that come out. And I think the Blackhawks, you know, they can be a, a desirable market again just because there is an opportunity, and that's what these guys usually want is just a chance to play. So I, I don't know if you're going to take those big swings at, you know, trading a Yoki Haru that was, you know, on the verge of, of being a full-time NHL for an, a Nylander. But I, I think there's some moves that were, um, you know, they're, they're looking for pieces and trying to find – um, you know, guys who fit, but also not, you know, I guess not having stoppages, uh, you know, blocks the the for the for guys to, you know, like Reichel and and certainly Galvis and other guys within the organization who are on the cusp. So, um, 
I, I think the Blackhawks would like to, you know, acquire some assets and especially forwards just to, uh, you know, get some prospects in there. But I, I don't think they're going to be as, as big a swings or as big a gambles as, as Bowman took. I agree. Uh, Aaron S. asks, it's weird seeing the Hawks announce interviews like the NFL does. What does it say about guys like Tulski, who Carolina agreed to let him interview, even though he's widely considered one of the next great GMs, or even guys like Darsh? How does Tampa feel about that? I, I'm sure they got they, – I, mean, I, I, I think it's good that they're doing this. There's no These things always get out, right? One of us is going to find out, oh, they talked to so-and-so today, and we're going to report on it, and then it trickles out a little bit at a time. This way, the Blackhawks can kind of control the narrative a little more. They get out in front of it. It's smart. They want to be transparent. This is an easy way to show, look how transparent we are. So I think it's an it's a wise, uh, savvy. I'm not, I'm not fully convinced that, uh, you know, like there, there may be people that who say no, you know, like I, I wonder if that's the case, too. Like uh, until until I hear the number of candidates they've hired and, and they announce that or if they've said that, you know, we've we've announced every single candidate. Like, I, I yeah. do wonder if there's a little bit of secrecy for some people like like I'm sure for Tulski, like he had to be like. Like obviously the Blackhawks had to request um, the interview from Carolina, but then I'm sure Carolina and Tulski both were like, "Yeah, you can tell people because, uh, um, yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone obviously kind of Tulski's a hot name, and there are a lot of people have, um, you know, like thinks that he's a bright mind and someone who could be a GM in the future. So, um, yeah, I, I even now like I'm curious if if he's offered the job, like, um, you know, how Carolina reacts. Like I, I, I think there's some people who are surprised that Carolina even allowed him the interview for the job. Yeah, I remember when we were talking when Stan Bowman was first uh, ousted, you and I put together a list of names, and I reached out to a couple of people who said Carolina is not going to let Tulski interview for any job. And so it's interesting that they that they did let him do for this. I don't know if they, but why, why there's a change of heart there. But uh, Tulski's a very uh, uh, well-regarded mind around the league. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the Blackhawks got permission from these teams to say that they were interviewing the guys, interviewing these guys. You know, Darsh was a finalist in, I think, both Vancouver and Montreal. So his name is already out there. Uh, Chiarelli's like a second tier uh, um, administrator in St. Louis. So there's no harm there. Um, I don't think teams really mind this. It shows, look, look at what a great staff we have that they want to be interviewed. <laughs> by other teams. Yeah. I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And like I said, it's always going to get out. Pierre's going to get it or Drager's going to get it or McKenzie's going to get it or Frank's going to get it. Chris Johnson's going to get it. You and I are going to get it. Someone's going to get it. So it's smart to just. You know, assuming the team lets you, just say who you're interviewing. Where's the harm in that? Just make yeah. it easy. Definitely makes our job a lot easier, too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Question from Alexa G. He says, Scott, I think I speak for everyone when I say we are all here for a Kayumov status report. Uh, I'm surprised it wasn't a Shalunov status report, but um, I, I, was told the other day, I, I was told the other day it's, it's sort of wait and see on Kayumov. They um, those discussions usually don't happen until the end of the KHL season. Uh, you know, I've even reached out to his agent, and he says that he uh, he, he lets the player play through that season uh, before he has those conversations, and it's whether he goes to the Worlds or not, or that type of thing too. So I, I don't think Kaimov will go to the um, the Worlds, but um, yeah, I don't know. He's he's been you know he he's he's been consistently decent in in the KHL. Like his numbers were a little bit more promising at a younger age, and. It, it's uh, plateaued, a, plateaued a little bit. And um, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I still think that he's, you know, he's a you know, maybe third, fourth line guy in the NHL. And it's, it's worth bringing him over. I mean, even now, like Alti Barmakian, I think, you know, been decent in Rockford. I, I don't know if he's an NHLer, but it's, it's a I think drafting those guys and signing and bringing them over and, and giving them a look in Rockford and giving that for an opportunity. And I think Kaya Moffs a, a little bit of a higher level than Alti Barmakian. So, 
Um, but yeah, I, I when I was I, when I inquired the other day, it was sort of a wait and see. And there's a couple of prospects where they're 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 kind of weighing right now, and I'm sure they'll have some discussions. You know, guys like uh, Velasic, I'm sure they're going to sign. Uh, or they'd like to sign after the season, and, and there's a few others. Um, but uh, but again, a lot of this is on, on the wait and see mode too of uh, who the GM is and and you know having those discussions going forward. But I think over the next month, month and a half, we'll have a better idea who they uh, they bring in, and I think Kaimov could be one of them. All right, we're going to be wrapping this up pretty soon, so you can request to talk. Uh, there's a button somewhere on your app right now that says you can request to talk. Um, we got uh, who we got Madeline R here asks, what do you think the Hawks have done to gain trust back? What do you think they can do in the future to gain fans back? I mean, that's the, the big multi-billion dollar question here, right? Um, haven't done much yet. And it's, it's hard to do, you know, this, is, this isn't this is something that happens immediately, right? It's not just you automatically, okay, we got new people in charge. Everything's great. We're starting to hear about the cultural changes. Patrick Kane was talking about how they're, you know, have more mental skills coaches available to players every day. They're sitting in on meetings. It's not just once in a while. There are initiatives. We saw the the way that there was the DJ Jones, the Rockford athletic trainer thing was handled. The day after the Jenner and Block report came out, um, uh, a complaint from 2014 was filed and it was immediately investigated and Jones was immediately fired. That's, you know, it came, the way it came out made it seem like it was just more bad news. But that's in, in many ways a good news story for the Blackhawks. They handled an allegation properly and swiftly once it came to their attention. And it was a sign that, you know, Kyle Beach's impact from coming forward was having an impact on, on, on other people in similar situations. There's a long way to go here. As for winning fans back, I hate to be this kind of you know, caustic about it, but Dallas, whatever the word is for it, win. We all know that if they start winning again, the fans are going to come back, right? I mean, there are going to be fans that are going to be dealing with this and, 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 and grappling with their fandom forever. But and, and, and those people are right to be you know, feeling that way, to, be, to, to have that, that moral compass. But the fact of the matter is if the Hawks were in first place right now, the building would be full and everybody would be happy. And the, the people that are unhappy would be, drowned out frankly by the cheers of chelsea dagger because we've seen all too often that's just the way sports work yeah i i also think that i i think town hall set them back like i, I feel like there was being progress being made and everyone wanted to you know like wanted to feel good about that i think a lot of blackhawks fans just wanted to feel good about that town hall and you know hear a little bit of you know remorse about what happened and you know ideas for the future and, and their plans and what they're doing and um yeah i don't i there felt like such an anger from the fan base that wasn't um, there wasn't anybody even there at times during the Cal Beach stuff, you know, like I, I think, um, you know, I think everyone wanted to believe that, you know, not to say that Rocky Wurtz has, has had any role in the, in the beach stuff, you know, that he was cleared by the independent report and he doesn't know anything, but I, I think everyone just wanted to feel good about Rocky Wurtz too, you know, that he was on the right side of this. And then how were you reacting? They just, um, yeah, it, it, it made the fans just bring this anger to, you know, towards him that they, they hadn't, you know, before, before it was easy to hate John McDonough and, and Stan Bowman and all these different people and, and Rocky stayed clear a lot, a lot, a lot of ways in it. Um, you know, from what he said, like it, it, yeah, I think it just, it offset a lot of that too. So I think there's uh, yeah, I don't know how much more we're going to hear from Rocky words, but I, I do think it makes Jamie Faulkner and Danny words, jobs a little bit more difficult and yeah. um, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to have to have to build that trust themselves a little bit. And that's difficult with uh, knowing what happened and what Rocky words said. And, um, I, I don't think anyone's, you know, as much as he's apologized, I don't think anyone's taken, taken that, uh, you know, too much of, uh, yeah, I don't think it's clear to him of what he said and, uh, you know, how he reacted on that day. All right. Let's go to Jeffrey L. Jeffrey L. You can speak up. Uh, Mark, I apologize if uh, you touched on it in your recent Kane article, but uh, it, what is he worth for his next contract? 
uh, I believe it's in a year or so. What what do you see him looking for in his next contract? Boy, it's a great question and one the Blackhawks are asking themselves in the front office a lot, I guarantee you. Uh, he's still a really good player. His production is down in terms of goals. He only had 15 goals last year, and most of those were in the first half of the year, whatever he's been dealing with the last 12 months or so. He's only got 12 goals this year, but he's still over a point a game. He's still, the you know, I mean, Dabrinkit's the best player on the team right now, but Kane is right right up there with him. He's certainly not worth 10.5 again, but I think, you know, what I'm I, curious I, is what he's looking for. I, I, think I was going to say, I think Ovechkin's contract is, um, the way I'm obviously the term is what's going to be interesting, right? Like, what is Kane looking for in terms? Does he want a contract that's going to take him to the end of his career? Is he going to want four or five years, or is he going to be okay signing a two or three year deal maybe with a little higher AAV? Or, or even, I, I wonder if, see for a minute just to, to see what the market is out there, you know, like it's to play with a Barzell or someone. Like, I wonder how intriguing that is, you know. He seems like a guy that, I don't know, he I'm sure he'd love to stay with the Blackhawks forever and. Uh, you know, he, he's going to be up in the Raptors and all these type of things. And to stay with the organization, I know, is pretty special for some players. But, you know, like, is there a respect factor in this, and depending on what the Blackhawks want to offer him and who he gets to play with or how this rebuild even looks? And and maybe that's where that conversation comes in with the next GM is, you know, what, what does this look like in the next few years and, and, and beyond? How quickly can we win again? Because it, it felt like Sam Bowman always told those guys the right thing when, you know, when it looked like it wasn't, you know, like it maybe this year looked like it was going to be a little bit more promising. But in recent years, you know, as optimistic as the Blackhawks seem, like we all, um, we all a pretty good idea the Blackhawks weren't going to be that good. So maybe that's a discussion too, is that, you know, like the next GM has to be honest with them and that, you know, this may be a few more years. And, you know, as Kane gets later in his 30s, maybe, maybe he doesn't have a stomach for that as much. And so maybe some of that stuff sort of decides it too. But I, I would think somewhere in that six to $10 million range, if, if he wants to feel respected and he's still producing at a point in a game and, um, you know, all those different other things that teams like to have with a, you know, proven cup winner and that type of thing. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting with the Blackhawks contracts, you know, they, they certainly won't have to pay Kirby doc what they had to, which you probably envision, um, just cause he hasn't been that player, but, you know, to bring, to bring kicks next, next contract is up and Seth Jones's raise goes into effect. And, um, yeah, the Blackhawks don't have as much cap space, uh, in the coming years as they, uh, they do right now. One of the things that keeps sticking out to me is like early in the year, I talked to somebody who is, uh, you know, I would say pretty tight with Kane. And uh, his thing was, look, it's not that Kane doesn't want to win again. Obviously, Kane wants to win again. But when you win cups early in a career, it gives you the luxury. It's, it's the same thing with Flurry right now. He doesn't have to go chasing a cup right now at age 37. If he's comfortable, he can do whatever he wants. He could retire. He could just play it out, whatever he wants to do. And the thing is, Kane is very big on legacy, right? He knows his place in history. He knows what it means to play your entire career for one team. He wants to lead. He wants to end his career as the Blackhawks all-time leader in every category. He wants more goals than Hall. He wants more points than Makita. He wants all the records. And you can't do that if you start playing the mercenary role uh, and bouncing from team to team. He wants to be the greatest Blackhawk of all time. That's not maybe necessarily his overarching, driving number one goal, but that does matter to him. I think that gives the Blackhawks an edge. When it, if, if they want to keep him, I think he does want to stay. And I think that's one reason why is is his legacy matters to him a lot. Yeah. And your legacy changes when you start chasing. Yeah, I, I guess the thing is that when you look at I mean, the, the last time they won a playoff series was was a cup, right? I mean, we're yeah. we're not that far away from you being, you know, 2025. And, and part of Kane's career has been really successful. And other parts been uh, Blackhawks have struggled, you know, like it's 
that that second half is, is starting to grow more and more. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to where where he like what's important for him. I, I certainly think the legacy thing is important, but do you want to go through another part of a rebuild? Because I, I think the Blackhawks are so far away from being good in so many pieces of the way, and it, it's hard to really accelerate considering they don't have a lot of prospects in the pipeline. And um, you know, other than Reichel, you, you don't have many forwards that could potentially play with Kane. And if you're going to trade Kubalik and and possibly Strom. Um, you know, like it's just it's so depleted that I yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I guess that I I'm definitely interested to hear what Kane has to say in the next year or so and um yeah, just kind of where his mind is and what's important for him in the future. Because I don't I don't know if the Blackhawks are a, a cup contender team for at least two or three more years at least, you know. Yeah, no, you're right. It, 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 that's that's going to continue to be the biggest storyline until we have resolution is what what the future of Kane and Taze. I mean, they're the arguably the two biggest stars in franchise history, even more than Hull and Makita and you wonder just how it's going to end. We just don't know. I mean, if you can get them both for a combined 10.5 beyond this this contract that expires next year, you might be wise to do that. You got to sell tickets, right? I mean, the Blackhawks are not going to be good. You have to sell tickets. And Patrick Kane sells tickets. I'm yeah. not sure anyone else on this team does. And that does matter in the NHL. Uh, should we take, we got one more, one more person here. Okay. All right, let's wrap it up with this one. Okay. I think you just, you just jumped out. So. Well, then never mind. Okay. Um, yeah, this was this was fun and different, and yeah, I felt like we were running a radio show a little bit. And <laughs> First time um, um, yeah, this will, I'm sure I'm sure something we'll uh, we'll explore more in the future. Um, yeah, nice uh, nice not to have to just talk between the two of us the whole time either. <laughs> yeah, we've been running out of things to say. This is a very long season, isn't it? And God, there's 34 games left. Is that what it is? 34 games? Uh, maybe 33 now. Maybe. Bear with us, fans. It's going to get interesting again. We promise. <laughs> uh, and and we're, we're, this will be become a podcast. It'll go up on the uh, on the site and and all of wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll be back at a, next week the podcast and certainly uh, with our coverage on the athletics. So I appreciate everyone joining us for this day and experiment. And if you are if you've been listening and you're not a subscriber, if you want to join in the next time we do this and be able to ask us questions, uh, go to theathletic.com/slash/lasandpowers and uh, sign up. Uh, now's the time. I think we got a deal running for a dollar a month for the first six months. Uh, can't beat that. So uh, come join us. There's lots to write about coming up. Sounds good. All right. For uh, for Les, I am Scott Powers, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. And I know that I can fix it. I can help even just a little.